CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. CampusToCanton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Welcome to another episode of the Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Summer school is back in session. We are going to be talking some Big 12 football here today. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, for those that are thinking, Austin, late week show was Canton bound. What are you doing? Where's the NFL content? With the, the five weeks preceding this college football season here, we are spending each episode 10 episodes each, 10 conferences, crazy how that works out, breaking down, going player by player to let you know everything you need before college football kicks off this year. So, Colin, we excited for the Big 12? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's maybe one of the lighter, uh, the Power 5, but yeah, still excited to get into the Power 5 here. Yeah, and, and for those that have uh, maybe missed out and you want to know to go back and to look at, in order... The conferences we've hit so far, we Sunbelt, the MAC, the CUSA, the AAC, the Mountain West, and last episode we talked ACC. So this is episode seven, just a few more to go. Um, and for anybody that wants these in written form, we are doing conference breakdown articles at campusdecanton.com as well. Lots of news. We've got a really good cram session from a really good guest. Um, shall we dive in, Colin? Let's do it. Perfect. Uh, before we hop in here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a bunch of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live. Or you can check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right. A few pieces of news here, and then uh, we will move into the Big 12. First up, Darnell Washington, the, the player that made us all say it's okay that Eric Gilbert might not be with Georgia this year, is <laughs> also going to be missing some game time. He suffered a foot injury earlier this week in practice, and they are now saying he'll miss at least four weeks. So probably going to miss that Clemson opener. Um, any thoughts on this for Darnell Washington, for Georgia, for JT Daniels? You know, a lot of different ways we can approach this, Colin. So just hit me with your, your first thought on this. So first thought is obviously 
this really sucks for um or, uh, for Darnell Washington with the whole Eric Gilbert saga going on. And I mean, technically, I know he was going to be a wide receiver, but I still like to think of him as a tight end. Um, with the whole Eric Gilbert saga going on, this was a, like an opportunity for him to maybe step up a little bit, um, you know, and show what he can do and make a name for himself there. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen now, at least for the next four weeks, at least at the early part of the season. So that's unfortunate for him. Um, it's open up opportunities for the other pass catchers there, guys like um, Arian Smith, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, um, maybe Blaylock if he's healthy, Kiaris Jackson. Uh, it's opening up some opportunity for some of those guys. I don't really think it affects JT Daniels that much just because they still have a bunch of other weapons there. Um, but also, you know, kind of stock up for Bowers a little bit here too. Um, I mean, I haven't really heard too much about him out of spring, but you know, with Gilbert and Washington gone, that room's pretty thin. There were some glowing reviews for Bowers and I tweeted out eh, maybe a month or so ago. Why are we still buying Brock Bowers? Because he's behind Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington. And I guess <laughs> this is why, but I didn't really foresee Eric Gilbert getting in a fight with Kirby smart and Darnell Washington breaking his foot or whatever three weeks before the season. Um, I, it's actually funny. So we we um, uh, we talked a little bit with uh, with our guest today, who mentioned Brock Bowers in his cram session, and said that um, he might not be ready to block yet, but he can probably do something as a receiver. Um, so we will see how that plays out. Um, looking more and more like a, like I, I might put some money on Clemson for this game. I don't really bet that much, although I'm yeah. I'm dipping my toes in this year. Chris Moxley says he'll win me lots of money, or else he'll pay all of it back. He's, <laughs> that's what he promised. I don't know. I, so did you um, get that in writing or? Um, and not yet, but we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, I mean, I'm not the lawyer season. here, but yeah, it's a good point. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, we, I, this is looking more and more like a Clemson win to me. And I think Georgia, uh, let's hope the season isn't over before it starts for them. Cause they're, they're a pretty good team this year. Second piece of news, central Michigan running back Kobe Lewis, who was figuring to kind of split touches, uh, with, uh, uh, Lou Nichols there at, at CMU as uh, out indefinitely with a knee injury. He, he is required is requiring surgery. Um, their, their coach uh, said today, Lou Nichols has to be a must have now for teams that want to compete. Um, Cause I don't, I mean, they have some guys behind him, but it seems that it, you would figure that the, he'll probably see a nice uptick in usage here. Yeah. I mean, and he saw some nice usage last year as well. Um, splitting carries in that backfield, splitting touches, you know, he had 508 yards rushing. Uh, he had 10 catches, um, you know, so and that was through six games. So he, he had a nice amount of work last year. They split that backfield pretty evenly, um, but it's still a backfield that you want a piece of. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely worth um, going out and getting Lou Nichols right now. If you can, it might be even be a little bit too late to go get him. But, yeah, I mean, Central Michigan's backfield, um, you know, they produce a lot of numbers for, for rushing. So I, I think that he's definitely a guy, if you're looking to make a push on the college side, that is worth adding because yeah. he's only a freshman. Well, yeah, sophomore. yeah. yeah. For, I mean, so if you look at their touches last year, Lewis had 105 carries and 17 catches, and then Nichols had 78 carries and 10 catches. So even if Nichols just kind of steps into that Lewis role and somebody steps in there, I mean, that is a very, very valuable player um, in a high scoring conference there in the Mac. I mean, that that's the dream, guys. That is the dream right there. Um, so if you have Lou Nichols, rejoice. 
Um, and if maybe your league mates aren't paying attention or don't care so much about the CFF side of things, uh, I, I would recommend going out and getting him. Third piece of news here, and this is not a 2021 piece of news. I think you're going to have a few months to act on this. Um, so, so don't rush to the uh, trade board there and, and make any crazy moves. Um, Nick Elksness, I believe is how you say his name, and Marcus Burke, two true freshmen at Florida, have been apparently turning heads there. Um, Burke is a, a four-star wide receiver that went in there, and El- Elksness, I, I want to believe that's how you say it, but we've been wrong on this show before. <laughs> on it's not going to be the first time. It's not going to be the last time. It is a very athletic tight end. Um, Florida this year kind of has some guys we like. They have uh, Justin Shorter, who feels like he's been in college for 50 years, but he, he's a former <laughs> five-star. You've got Jacob Copeland, uh, Xavier Henderson, if he can uh, get it all together, uh, and a couple other guys there as well. Um, but I, these guys are 2022 and beyond. Um, but I th- keep them on the back of your mind as maybe throw throw-ins later in the year if you're making a trade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're. I don't know how much production they're going to put up this year, like you mentioned, and especially with the quarterback play there. But uh, it's always good to hear freshmen making a little bit of noise in camp. So definitely guys to keep in, in the back of your mind there. I think Burke got more hype uh, coming out than Elkness did, um, than Katniss Everdeen. We were both just like, eh, eh, that <laughs> um, yeah, he got he got more hype than, than the other guy. Um, so he might be a little bit harder to get, but um, I would imagine Elkness is probably on your waivers. So, you know, keep an eye on him, throw him on the watch list for sure. I have him in two leagues, and I've been uh, he uh, he caught my attention because of Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson okay. is a very big Elkness guy. Um, maybe he can he won't be the Tank Bigsby guy anymore. He'll be the Nick Elkness guy. But he's already six six two forty three as a tight oh. end. He's got he's got the size. That's that's. You like when you don't have to worry about that part of it yeah. Uh, for these guys. So it doesn't look like he has too much more to do there. And then Burke is a big guy as well, 6'4", 187. Um, so, yeah, just we're looking forward here all the time at Campus Canton. There's some targets for you later in the year. Piece of news number four, Joe Milton, uh, who was okay at Michigan last year. <laughs> question mark. <laughs> Who put that question mark on my teleprompter? Yes. Um, he is the probable week one starter at quarterback for Tennessee at this point. It sounds like the staff likes him. Makes sense. The only quarterback that they themselves brought in, you know, Hooker came in before uh, Hypo and, and the gang came in, uh, and Harrison Bailey, obviously part of the previous regime as well. Um, this is like not great for people there, though, right? Like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if your best option right now is Joe Milton, you're kind of in some trouble. He had that one game last year, and then after that, he just fell flat on his face. So I I think this was a situation similar to the Will Levis situation where they brought in this guy, they brought in their guy here and they were kind of always planning on giving him the job. They were just waiting for him to step on campus basically before giving him the job. Um, so they gave it to Joe Milton here. It's sounding like, but it wouldn't really surprise me if after, you know, week one, week two, he falls on his face and then they turn to, um, you know, hooker or, or Harrison Bailey. Uh, it sounds like, you know, probably the fan base and, and a lot of, people in the fantasy community would, would want to see Bailey 
Um, but it's sounding like maybe Hooker is even second in line there. So, but it's a real shame because I like Josh Heupel offenses. You know, obviously we want to target pieces of that, but with the quarterback situation so up in the air, it's just hard to feel comfortable going after pieces on that offense. So the Joe Milton story is the micro story here. The the macro, the zoom out story is never underestimate in a muddled situation at any position, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, when a new coaching staff comes in and there is only one guy there that they brought themselves, never underestimate that guy getting the job. I think that can be a lesson for all of us here who said Joe Milton, LOL, and moved on. And now the LOL is um, more like a fuck me LOL than like a <laughs> go Joe Milton. <laughs> So that's that's all I've got there for you. Uh, last piece of news here for today, Hudson Card. Uh, it sounds like he's solidifying himself as the QB1 of Texas. Colin is doing his happiest dance. That's a little awkward, but he's doing it anyway here. Um, tell me, it's, just hit me with it, Colin. Hit me with it. Told you so. <laughs> Told you so. Um, I mean, it's, it's nothing's, nothing's done yet. Um, he's just been you know, playing well as the QB one, he's been out playing Thompson by the sound of things. He's looking like he's in line to, you know, start the season, which I don't necessarily know if that's actually the best thing. Um, like I said before, my prediction was Thompson started the year and then struggled against UL in week one, um, Louisiana, who's a very good team. They, they finished last year and I think it was like the 15 to 20 range um, at the end of the year. Um, they were ranked team. They're very good. And they brought pretty much everybody back. So this is also going to be a very good team here. It's going to be Sark's first game um, as a head coach, you know, since uh, back in um, what Washington or USC. Um, which one came first or which one came second? USC? USC came after Washington. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be his first time head coaching as a head coach since USC. Um, you know, and Texas is a, a history of kind of underperforming at times, you know, not playing up to talent. So, you know, it worries me a little bit there in week one. So that's why I was kind of hoping Thompson did start. And then, like I said, fell flat on his face. They bring in card. They kind of wake up. He sparks their offense and just off to the races from there. Um, I mean, him starting week one is obviously still good. Um, but I think there's a little bit of risk there, too, with you know, this kind of happening in the other direction there where card may struggle and then they turn to Thompson um, in the year. So, but I am still a believer in Thompson or in card. Um, so I think that I, I like cards talent. I think he's going to hold on to that job if he gets it right away. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's not looking like the craziest thing that I had him in inside my top 10 QBs there for a little while. Um, I think wanna... I have him right around like 10 ish now, but do you want to hear a secret? Yeah, I don't believe in either of those guys. <laughs> like, I'm not anti Hudson Card to to insert Casey Thompson because I don't believe in Casey Thompson either. Um, I think it's too early to say that I believe that they could be pushed by Malik Murphy or something uh, in the coming years. Um, but I, I'm not seeing. I mean, Card Card is a converted wide receiver. He played wide receiver up until I believe his junior year of high school, and then he switched over to quarterback. Um, so he was always raw uh, from that perspective. Um, and I just, I don't know. Unless and I, I, unless he made a huge jump this offseason, and the fact that it's uh, August 19th, 
and he's maybe beaten out Casey Thompson tells me that probably has not happened. Um, so I don't think I'm really buying either of those guys. I, I, I really hope for Sark's sake that he can find a quarterback here and he doesn't get Harbaugh as <laughs> a guy that just can't find his quarterback despite other talent there around the position. Yeah, I mean, that's – I don't know if he'll get <clears throat> Harbaugh because I think I put a decent amount of that blame on Harbaugh. Um, he just really hasn't been able to develop guys. Now we'll see about McCarthy. But – I'm I'm just a believer in Card's talent. You know, I liked him a lot coming out. You know, like you said, he was very raw. Uh, he probably still is. You know, he hasn't been playing the quarterback position for that long. But, you know, he had a big-time arm. was very, very athletic. Um, you know, like you said, a former wide receiver at uh, what was it, uh, South Lake Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's so, you know, that's like that's a big-time school in Texas. Um, and he was playing as a sophomore at wide receiver. So, big-time athlete. Um, you know, and I saw, I saw enough of, you know, the, the technical side of the game where, you know, it made me think that he could develop there, you know, showed some varying speed on his passes through some nice, um, you know, NFL caliber throws through a couple out routes and stuff like that too. So, you know, I, I like cards future. I'm still in on card, but I understand the skepticism because he was definitely raw. How do you, how far ahead of Haynes King do you have Hudson card? Uh, I don't have my rankings pulled up here in front of me. It's probably like 10 spots, um, but it's, yeah, maybe 10 to 12 or so spots. But I think the biggest difference between those two for me is their offenses. Um, Texas A&M, awful pace. They're, they're one of the slowest offenses in the NF or in the, uh, in, in the NCAA. I was listening to the cover three pod and they were breaking down some of the SEC West win totals, and they were talking about how they were, I think it was dead last in some of the like efficiency or some of the um, the play rate stats. Like they have good efficiency, they just don't move the ball very well. Um, they don't, uh, you know, run a lot of plays. So, you know, they they content to grind it out and win games. You know, twenty one seventeen. So. You know, I think that that's one of the biggest separators for me in those offenses. You know, I don't know if I see King producing in college at all, where I think Card could be a very good fantasy quarterback on the college side um, in Sark's offense and as an electric runner. Yeah, I mean, he I, I don't doubt the athleticism. We'll just see if the quarterbacking can kind of come along with it. All right, guys, it is time for this week's cram session. Very special guest with us here, uh, Mr. Wes Huber from Fantasy Points here. Um, so sit back and enjoy um, his last-minute thoughts on the 2021 college football season. Alrighty, guys, we have a real treat here for you this week on our cram session. Wes Huber is joining us from Fantasy Points. He is a senior uh, analyst there, and you can find him on Twitter at Wes Huber NFL. Wes, thank you so much for sitting down and joining us here for a few minutes. Well, it's entirely my pleasure. Um, I, I, anytime I get to talk about some college football or Debbie, I'm all about it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, something that I enjoy greatly and, uh, you know, gives me an opportunity to break away from, from my NFL stuff. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we love the college football here too. Um, so for anybody that, uh, you know, 
just tuned into the show or something like that, we are asking everybody that comes on here three questions. One player that you think is going to help their stock this year in college, one player that is going to hurt their stock the most, and then the spiciest take that you can possibly give us for the 2021 college football season. So let's start off with a player that you think is going to hurt or help themselves the most in 2021. Yeah, there was a couple of guys that I wanted to talk about, but uh, one of those was Max Johnson at LSU. But I I ended up landing with somebody that that's got a little more um, immediate Devi hopes, and that's um, Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. So long before Quinn Ewers skipped his uh, his senior season of high school, Daniels graduated a year early from Matter Day to uh, to join USC. Uh, in the spring, which he, you know, immediately became the starting quarterback of the, in, in 2018, a class that also had where, you know, he was only ranked behind Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, as a green 18 year old. Uh, yeah, he he had a decent year as, uh, you know, as a youngster, that that true freshman season knee injury opened the door for Caden Slovis, which initiated his transfer over to Georgia. Um, but I mean, one of the stats that I just love about him is in four games last season, Daniels completed seven of 10 throws of 40 plus yards from scrimmage. So 50 plus, if you include his drop back around 50 plus three touchdowns and only 128 dropbacks. So let's put that into context. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and the two, 2019 season for Trey Lance. The 38 games combined, 1,064 dropbacks. They were 15 of 39 of 40-plus with seven touchdowns. A full season of showing off that arm, that cannon against SEC competition, will have him skyrocketing draft boards, landing as what I think will be a top-10 pick. Uh, one of the best things about doing these is that we've had peop- we've had some people give like – the opposite side of that we've had somebody say that jt daniels is going to hurt their stock the most this year do you have any concern about the wide receiver core kind of being slightly decimated now it looks like darnell washington's probably out here uh for at least the opening you know eric gilbert um you still have full faith that he that he's gonna uh move up draft boards this year well you know let's let's also remember we're talking about one of the deep the deepest wide receiver cores in college football so eric gilbert it looks like he's just away for personal reasons Chances are he'll come back. Even if he doesn't, I don't care. Even if if Washington's out, I don't care. There's a true freshman coming in, an athletic phenomenon named Brock Bowers. Now, he may not be ready to block in line yet, but you can put him in the slot right now, and he can catch the ball uh, to fill that tight end role. Um, they have Jermaine Burton, who is – a I mean, he should be on everybody's Debbie radar, um, who's on the field now. Um, uh, George Pickens, he's already practicing. I mean, this kid is just, I, I mean, I can't believe it. Just tore his ACL and he's already practicing. Just crazy. Um, and, and then they're going to eventually get uh, Dominic Blaylock back. They, they, they have Arian Smith. They have um, my guy, uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. He's got the, the hyphenated name. Um, Rosemary. Marcus Rosemary. Yes, love him. He's, he's definitely on my Debbie, Ray's, Debbie Radar as well. Um, and then they have, uh, a, I mean, their running game is just, you know what? I think the injuries at receiver will only highlight how he is able to transcend having such a deep group. 
So no, I, I don't have any concerns because the the way I look at Devi prospects is they may have to fight through some adversity, but they will, like I said, transcend those issues. Now, I'm, I mean, that doesn't mean if they had just a bunch of walk-ons to throw the ball to, I, I, w- I would still, I mean, I would have some issues there, but not with what Georgia has. Yeah, they, they are the school probably most well-equipped. Maybe maybe Ohio State would yeah, be the only other yeah. one that I think you know is up there with them in terms of uh, talent there. Um, awesome. I love it. Um, I love the very brief Max Johnson shout there as well uh, at LSU this year. He would have been my guy. He would have been the guy I would have talked to. I uh, talked about if I if he was coming out next year. Yeah, yeah. Got to wait an extra year there, but you know, good bloodlines there. Brad Johnson is his as his dad. So conversely, then one player that you think is going to hurt their stock the most here in twenty twenty one. You know, it's a guy that that I I did a couple Debbie drafts and I saw people taking him early and I'm just like, you got to be kidding me, because I mean. Okay, and, and and I'll just I'll just make the big reveal. Alabama running back Brian Robinson Jr. Now I I do think he's an NFL prospect, and you know I don't I don't want to you know drag his name through the mud, but I mean let's be real, people. He's not Najee Harris. Um, okay, so I, we look at the tide, and and then they basically become a running back factory. I mean they they lure in every every single recruit in the country to at least give him a a sniff of of a possible. Um, commitment uh, because of how much money they put into their coaching staff. I mean, they pay the, their assistant coaches, their, their positional coaches, like most schools pay their, their head coaches. You know, I can't even imagine what their budget is there, but let's, let's look at their, their, their running back recruiting since 2016. They've brought in Bo Scarborough. He would have been the highest rated running back in the class if he wasn't classified as an athlete. Uh, yeah, as an athlete. Then they had Damian Harris, number two running back. Najee Harris, number two. Trey Sanders, number two. Jace McClellan, number six. Roydell Williams, number six. And now they're bringing in Kamar Wheaton, number three in the 21 class. Okay, so Scarborough, he didn't work out. He's, he's still... Uh, you know, jumping around a couple of teams. I think I can't remember the team that he he signed with recently, but doesn't look like he's going to make the roster. Uh, Damian Harris and, and Najee, they're both they're both NFL starters right now. And the other four on the list, they all have the potential to start in the NFL, and I think they will. Uh, but Robinson, he was the number eighteen running back in the seventeen class, and he's someone that I that I I. I think is a, a better comparison is Jerome Ford. Who's now at Cincinnati. He was number seven, 17 in 2018. I think Ford, again, he's another NFL prospect, but I am not as high on Ford as I am these other Alabama running backs. So they're just, it's a different class, you know, but there's still a place for Robinson and Ford. Um, and here's the thing, man, what's going to hold Robinson back from, coming anywhere close to first, I doubt he even goes maybe second day if he blows up this year. He can't catch the ball. He's the worst receiving running back that Alabama has had that I can remember. He's got 17 receptions, four drops, and zero touchdowns in his career. And it's not, it's those aren't uh, efficient numbers either, uh, based off his routes run. It, it is, it is concerning there. So he will never be a three down running back, people. So if you're thinking about drafting him in your Debbie draft, think, think otherwise. He's a big guy, 228. But, you know, it, I, I'm just blown away that the consensus assumes that he'll be a top running back for the 2022 draft. Yeah, he works hard. But how many co- collegiate athletes can you apply that to? 
I mean, thousands, right? And he's not very athletic. He'll be lucky, in my opinion, to keep a hold of a timeshare of the anticipated role that people think he's going to have this year from McClellan, who is, I mean, one of the top Debbie running backs that, that, that is out there. Uh, Roy Dell, let's not forget about him. Dude's a beast. And Sanders, if he can get healthy after that car accident. It's interesting. Uh, reading between the lines a little bit from their spring game, it looked like, um, unlike maybe some Bama teams in the past, that they have a specific rule for Robinson, and then they almost have a change of pace there, which they haven't necessarily divvied up the work that way in the past. Uh, I know Robinson didn't play, but they they just put Roy Dell in for him, like as a like for like, and then still McClellan looks like he has a role as well. Um, yeah, my, my fingers are crossed that McClellan eats into that. Um, I, I'm, I, I put out a bull prediction article a couple years ago, and I said the big three for 2023 is going to become a big four by the end of the year. And McClellan's going to be the other guy there. Do you think that's that's uh, certainly uh, possible by the end of 2021? Absolutely, I'm I'm all over that guy. I, right now, I have McClellan rated as let's see, my number six back. And I mean, I, I wouldn't have him up there if if I wasn't fully committed in what the what the kid does. I mean, his efficiency last year as a true freshman was just phenomenal, and that that's coming off of what he did in high school. That's coming off of off his athleticism. I, I was just so impressed. I think he's got the potential to be a three down back. I love the kid. Same thing with Roydell Williams. He offers multi-dimensional talent. So you can't just you can't just fit every single running back that comes into Alabama. I will say, you know, into that into that specific mold like, oh, well, Najee Harris was a first rounder, so Brian Robinson's going to be too cuz you know, he averaged 5 yards a carry, which let's be let's be honest with ourselves here. He hasn't done it's not like he's been like this beast Robinson's only averaged around five yards of carryovers over his career. And that's with the best offensive line in the country. So, I mean, that's something to think about, but uh, you know, the, the one, the one outlier has been Josh Jacobs. You know, he came in as a, I, I believe he was a three star with, with um, you know, similar athleticism, similar high school athleticism to Brian Robinson. But by the time he graduated, that athleticism was not the same, which is something that we see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The, the wonders of the Bama weight room there uh, really worked their way for, for Mr. Jacobs there. Um, so final question here, then your hottest take for 2021. We've had some crazy ones. So let's hear what you've got. I feel like I'm going to let you down here because this is one that's not it. I think it's a little more obvious and I, you know, I've heard, I've heard people chat about it here and there, but more, uh, more so in a what if type situation, I think it's, I think it's a reality if a couple of things happen. And that, that is after another brutal season, one year after signing a four-year contract extension that is was supposed to keep him in town through the 2025 season, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is fired from his Ann Arbor post. He's lost four consecutive bowl games. He's compiled a 49 and 22 overall record, 22 losses. If you if you compare that to Ohio State, it's on another planet. Um, and he's been outscored 221 to 87 with an 0 and 5 record against the Buckeyes, which is why the man was brought into town. Now, 
the Wolverines are not going to have it easy this year. They're going to face a nasty Washington defense, one of the top five defenses in the country. Wisconsin, another nasty defense. Indiana, another nasty defense that is very underrated. Northwestern, what we need to see because, you know, they they lost some guys there. But, you know, it just seems that they always just retool and they come right back at at these teams thinking, oh, you know, they're they're not the same team. Oh, but you know, then they find then they, they, they end up being ranked every year or most years. Uh, Penn State. Another nasty defense, and of course their nemesis, Ohio State. Uh, man, I, I hate to I hate to say that about Michigan here, but um, you know I, I I think I'm just pointing out the obvious, and it's a it's a it's a concern. Jim Harbaugh has not produced. He did well at Stanford. He did well in the NFL, but that has not carried over to uh, uh, to the Wolverines. And uh, you know, as much as it pains me to say it. He hasn't found his quarterback there. And I think for a lot of these college coaches, if you don't find your quarterback, it, it can spell some trouble for you. So, the, yeah, I mean, do you, are there any quarterbacks there that give you any confidence that maybe can save him? I've, I've, I, there have been previous quarterbacks there that I thought could save him. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not a quarterback evaluator as far as like coming out of high school. I think it's, I think it's one of the most difficult positions to evaluate coming out of high school. Um, you, you, you'll see, we'll see a lot of guys like, like a Trey Lance, like a Zach Wilson who were not on the NFL radar at all. And then all of a sudden one season, boom, they're in the, they're in the conversation. You know, it's it's really it's it's such a a strange thing uh, how how these quarterbacks develop and how others don't. So I, I understand that you that you're giving him the benefit of the doubt there about the he hasn't found his quarterback. He's a former quarterback. I mean this this should be his forte. This should be the thing that he's that he brings to the team. And uh, man, you're right. He hasn't had a decent quarterback the entire time he's been there. I would say the best quarterback, at least uh, from what I've seen that that he's had, has been Brandon Peters, who's now with Illinois. You know, I mean, so uh, he hasn't been smart. He's lost guys through the the transfer portal, and he's lost his probably his his most NFL. Um, skilled uh, quarterback in Brandon Peters. I don't think Brandon Peters is going to be a top pick or anything, but he'll play in the NFL. And, you know, J.J. McCarthy, he looks like it, just like Joe Milton looked like it, just like, I'm, you know, you go down the list, it just it just hasn't happened. And I, I don't really think Michigan and, or the or its fans or, or its its sponsors really care about what it looks like anymore. I don't. I think if he does, if he has another season like he did last year, especially, he's out. Yeah, and for a guy that's reputation was that he could find quarterbacks and could develop quarterbacks, doubly a slap to the face there uh, for the for the hopes of Michigan fans. So four losses, five losses. What what, what do you think? Oh and five. Oh and five. Oh, you mean you mean this season? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to start out that way. I think they're going to lose to Washington. Then then they play Wisconsin, Indiana towards the middle of the schedule. And then that's when they close out with a with a tough trio. So I think I think, you know, they'll 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 bounce back after the Washington loss and they'll, they'll head into Wisconsin and Indiana with with, uh, you know, 
a, a winning record and, and, and a lot of people saying, oh, you know, they're back, they're going to do it. And then, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to lose all those games, but I'm saying, uh, you know, four losses in college football is not good. I don't care how many wins you have. You're not going to the playoffs. And that's what matters. And if you don't beat Ohio State, if he goes zero and six against Ohio State, I mean that could that could be that could be it right there. That could be his his coup d'état. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. I just don't know how long he can keep doing what he's doing with with mediocre results and and you know maintain that position because he gets some of the best recruiting classes in the country. Yeah, yeah, and a place like Michigan, you know, the standard is not nine and four or whatever, you know, it, it is, you know, 10 wins plus every year, uh, bare minimum there. So, um, yeah. So thank you again for hopping on here with us, Wes. Um, any final thoughts on 2021 football season before we let you go? Wow. I'm in, I'm in like hardcore NFL mode. I, I do have a, a several college drafts going on right now. So, you know, uh, deep diving into that, but most of them are, uh, you know, we're they're, they've, I've been in them for a while, so we've already got our established rosters. Uh, I'm excited, man. I, I, it was great that we that we were able to have a season last year. I definitely don't want to discount that, but it's going to be nothing like this year where we're actually going to have every team play a normal schedule instead of looking at, okay, this guy played 12 games here, but this guy only played four. And it's, it's just so hard to, to really evaluate those guys that played such an abbreviate abbreviated schedule. So I'm just I'm ecstatic that that college is going to be in full force this year. And fingers crossed that we don't have any of these big covid, uh, you know, uh, uh, postponements or cancellations. Man, I I hope these kids get vaccinated and and we can have a, a normal season this year. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed there for sure. Well, again, you can find Wes at Wes Huber NFL on Twitter. You can find all of his work over at Fantasy Points. Um Wes, thanks again for coming on. Uh, best of luck this season. We'll we'll chat some Michael Mayer here. I know you're you're looking to acquire him in, in a league we're in together. So uh, we'll chat about that here in the next few days. Yeah, absolutely, Austin. I appreciate you having me on. And anytime you guys want to chat about some football, you know where to find me. Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, back to the rest of the show. Awesome. It, it was great sitting down there with Wes. Um, you know, I, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know some of the guys there at Fantasy Points uh, along with the podcast here. Met some of them at the Expo last weekend. Um, Wes was another great guy there. And some, it, it was fun listening to him talk about JT Daniels because Felix on the last one just said that he <laughs> thought that I was going to hurt his stock. So that, that was a very interesting uh, conversation there. Yeah, that one lined up really well. Uh, you love when that happens into um, I think Michigan kind of gave him a very very hollow extension you know it was they kind of kneecapped him too where they like dramatically reduced his buyout so I don't think that that's I, I think that that's definitely in, in the range of outcomes this year now you know we'll see how they finish but you know they get Washington in the non-con so you know they get them early so that's that's a tough game right there and then you know Big 12 or Big 10 schedule can be kind of tough at times too. So we'll see how that ends up there. But I think that's definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, I like we said, five wins or, or four losses or five losses. It's just not acceptable to school like Michigan. No. Um, and that's going to be the straw for sure there that probably breaks the camel's back. 
Um, all right, guys. So into our conference preview here for the week, the Big 12. And it's really funny because everyone thinks of the Big 12 for years was just basically Power 5 Mac. Like it was just every game was high scoring. There was basically no defense played. The spread really kind of got its start there and, and uh, you know grew out from that. Um, but it, I think there are fewer intriguing players here than in the ACC who we just talked about. Now, obviously, Clemson was a large portion of that. Right. But but there I mean, there there are definitely fewer must have guys in this conference that there were in the ACC, if, if nothing else. Yeah, I agree. And and especially at the quarterback position. I mean, you know, back in the day you had um, whoever was Texas Tech's quarterback, you know, you wanted to own them. And then obviously whoever Oklahoma's quarterback was, you wanted to own them. RG3 was there in those Baylor days. He was electric. You know, they had some really, really nice quarterback play there. And, you know, I just I don't see as much of that around the uh, around the conference now. Um, there's just not as many guys that I feel good about going forward. Yeah, it's it's gotten it's gotten a decent defensive reputation now, which again I think yeah. people don't necessarily think of. Um, but but that really is the case. Um, so so uh, let's dive in here, Colin. This was the craziest thing, and I racked my brain for a while, making do- like double, triple, quadruple checking my work here. There's only one must-have quarterback for me in this entire conference. <laughs> Which again just seems weird, and it's it's obviously Spencer Rattler there at Oklahoma. Um, you know, last year QB twenty two on a per game basis, twenty five point eight overall. His ADP has been right around three or four this entire offseason. Um, kind of interchangeable there with the DJU, and then maybe one other quarterback sneaks in there along with Bijan, and that's kind of been our top our top tier there for the last couple months. Um, but I don't feel great about Rattler. Cause I don't see a ton of rushing upside. He's, he's like, he, he's Zach Wilson level mobile. He's not DJU level mobile, right. which is a boon for DJU's uh, points. Uh, but, but Rattler looks like he could be the favorite to be the, the, the one Oh one in, in dynasty rookie drafts next year and possibly in the NFL draft. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think he's the favorite right now for the 101 on the NFL or in the NFL drafts um, or the first quarterback taken, you know, however it breaks down. I mean, you have um, Derek Stingley Jr. and Kayvon Thibodeau, who are going to be very, very high end prospects at, you know, positions of of need for a lot of teams. So, you know, I could see this being a year where a quarterback doesn't go number one, but I think it's very safe to say Spencer Rattler is the favorite to go and be the first quarterback off the board. So I think that insulates his value a lot. And like you said, he's probably going to be the favorite to be the uh, 101 in your dynasty rookie drafts as well. Because, I, I mean, maybe Brees Hall, but I don't know if I see that. Um, so I think that, you know, he, he just keeps his value very safe. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. As, so here's here's a question for you uh, before we move on to our running backs here. Is his leash – he had a bit of a short leash last year. You know, we saw that game where he got pulled and Tanner Mordecai came in. There is a much more talented player behind him this year. If he doesn't step it up, does that – do we see that happen again this year where maybe he gets yanked? 
for freshman Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in this year's class? Um, I don't think it's impossible by any means. Um, I don't think it's likely because I think Rattler is um, good enough to hang on to this job. He has good enough weapons around him. Oklahoma is a good enough team that I don't think they're going to need to make a change at the quarterback position. So I think he's pretty safe there. No, I mean, that being said, I don't think it would be the craziest thing because Caleb Williams is extremely talented and he was, um, you know, I mean, Rattler was handpicked by Riley too, but so was Williams. So uh, Riley obviously likes Williams a lot. I also think Williams is, you know, despite what we saw in spring, you know, that was a pretty vanilla version of their offense. I think he's still probably too raw of a quarterback to feel good about starting. I mean, Oklahoma has to go into this year thinking this is our year to win the national title. You know, Bama's re- kind of reloading a little bit uh, at the wide receiver position, at the quarterback position, uh, at the running back position. They're reloading it at several pieces across the offense. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is gone. Now, we obviously like DJU, but you know, it's not Trevor Lawrence there. You know, it's not as established of an option. So, you know, if you look around, Oklahoma has to think this is their year. And I have a hard time seeing Caleb Williams give them a better chance to win a national title than Spencer Rattler at this point in time. I'm kind of hoping for a uh, Tim Tebow freshman year package for him, maybe for Caleb Williams, yeah, where you know possible. Spencer Rattler is, is Chris Leak, but not bad. Um, and, and then, uh, Caleb can, can be the, the Tim Tebow equivalent, um, and then take over that job, uh, probably next year. Um, a couple of running backs here. This, this is where the conference is really, really loaded. We have one, two, three, four, five, six must have running backs on our list. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't start it off with B. John Robinson, who has an ADP of one, well, 1. 1.4. Um, so, but he's, I think. Not to toot my own horn, but lar- do largely in part to the fact that, I, that I've been preaching zero QB, take Bijan first all offseason. Bijan, and I do a lot of these drafts, uh, Bijan is the, the 101. Um, but beyond him, you have Eric Gray, the transfer in from Tennessee, who's going to be at Oklahoma. We have Brees Hall at Iowa State, who might be the RB1 in all of fantasy this year, or certainly top three for CFF purposes. You've got Zach Evans over at TCU, who sounds like he is up to 212 pounds now. So that is awesome. Um, and That's very got, nice. Yeah. Uh, Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State. I don't know about the NFL potential. Can lightning strike twice there with two small, undersized running backs from Kansas State? Um, but regardless, RB42 this past year from a, a fantasy perspective. And then Devin Neal, I put as a must-have. A true freshman running back at Kansas. Four-star kid. More talented than the guys they they usually get at Kansas. Um, so those six guys, I think, should be you should be looking to roster as many of them as possible. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's it's kind of weird to say that the running back is the position that's heaviest in the Big Twelve in must haves. It just it feels weird to say because, like you say, we kind of grew up with the air raid, um, you know, starting there, and you don't really always think of running backs when you think of the big 12. So it is a little bit weird, but yeah, I think all of these guys are must have true must haves. I mean, you know, when you're looking at these, these running backs here and their ADPs, I mean, you have what Bijan, Gray, Hall, Evans, 
all inside the top 20. Um, you know, and then Devin Neal's guy who's who's definitely intriguing, especially um especially in in uh, offense with um Leopold there at Kansas. Uh, you know, he's he's known for for his running backs and his running back production. And then, you know, Deuce Vaughn, like you said, you know, I don't know about the NFL production, but he should provide a lot of college production this year. You, you know, he had a really nice year as a freshman last year. So I think all of these guys are must haves. And I think they're all they all have a lot of potential for the NFL, with the exception of maybe Vaughn. Yeah, I think that's and that I you know, the way that I just said him there, I mean, Vaughn would be my my last guy. Um but but yeah, all of those guys are must-haves for me. I Evans is the intriguing one of this group to me. I'm not, you know I'm not going to talk Bijan. I'm not going to talk Brees Hall. I think everybody kind of knows those. They're they're known quantities at this point. But Zach Evans is a guy that I think has a lot of room for growth this year. Um, not necessarily from an ADP standpoint, although he can certainly jump into that that first round uh, on the next offseason. But he averaged 8.46 fantasy points per game last year. In nine games, he had 54 carries and eight receptions. I think we're going to see a huge uptick in um, touches for him this year. And I think he is talented enough, a if, if five-star kid last year, to do something with those touches. So um, I, I expect big things for Zach Evans this year. I think he's going to have a very nice year. Um, and yes, I like all of those running backs, uh, wide receiver. We have a few guys here, um, but not a lot. Only four must have wide receivers for us. Uh, Marvin Mims, the true, uh, he's a second year kid last year as a true freshman at Oklahoma averaged 12.3 fantasy points per game. His ADP has been a uh, late third ish round, mid late third round. Um, so an expensive guy, but possibly the wide receiver one there at Oklahoma. So that's, that's definitely worth something. Mario Williams, who might be, you know, everyone wants to think is this year's Marvin Mims, the true freshman there at Oklahoma that breaks out. He was a uh, a high four star in this year's recruiting class. Uh, Quentin Johnston, a second year guy again at TCU. Um, He's another guy that's going in the late uh, third round there last year, uh, 22 catches for 487 yards. So he averaged 22 yards uh, per catch and he's like six, four. I mean, he's a big guy, so I, I like him a lot. He's got a lot of potential there. And then Xavier Worthy, another true freshman there, uh, transfer uh, from Michigan down to Texas, getting a lot of buzz this spring. And in my bold predictions article, again, I bring that up. I predict that he will be a top 36 pick by the time next offseason rolls around. Um, so, so he should definitely be on your radar there. Colin, any guys stand out to you in this grouping? Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to not have Xavier worthy stand out from this group. Um, cause he's definitely the guy with the least amount of hype. Um, you know, I think that people listening to this will probably, you know, potentially disagree with Xavier worthy being included in the must haves group, but you know, he, flipped from Michigan to Texas after Sark was there. So Sark was very heavily heavy in recruiting him to Texas. They don't really have a lot of wide receiver that you, wide receivers that you feel real comfortable with there. I mean, we like O'Meary. I like O'Meary, but it still is a projection for him because he did not play last year. Um, so, you know, some project just as much projection for O'Meary as it is for worthy. 
Whittington can't seem to stay healthy. Same with Joshua Moore. Um, I mean, you know, those guys, Whittington was drawing a little bit of buzz early in, in the spring, but he's also one of the more experienced guys in the room. So I'd be surprised if he wasn't standing out at least a little bit. Um, Jake Smith's gone. So, you know, the, their wide receiver room is, is pretty thin. So if you take a look at that and then you take a look at the wide receivers that have performed under Sark, you know, you start to think, you know, maybe he is in the must have category. I, I think he definitely is. And I, I feel better projecting him than Troy O'Meary. Uh, Felix will be very upset when he listens to that. Um, but <laughs> You'll get a text immediately. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I think both could be in for a nice season. Again, that's really going to hinge on that card Thompson and if either of them can really take that step. But um, Worthy, in my opinion, only has to make a couple of plays. Like he he's the Jermaine Burton or the JSN. or either. Those guys only made a couple plays last year, but it's enough as a true freshman at a, at a big uh, school to uh, really kind of stake your your uh your reputation there and and start that climb up board so so go get xavier worthy if you don't have him yet if you take one piece of advice away from today's show um and we we have two must have tight ends in this conference we have charlie cola that was my (laughs) charlie cola yeah that that was a terrible boston accent but i can't comment because mine is probably i was gonna say yours is pretty terrible too (laughs) the only thing you can say is co-op you caught me. Neither of us are from Boston. Um, Charlie Kohler, tight end at uh, Iowa State. Tight end 13 last year on a per-game basis, going uh, about 160th overall in ADP. And then Jatavian Sanders, which I think is a bit of a bold call here, but I, I'm going to put him down here. He was the number one athlete in the class. Uh, six. They thought he might play a defensive end. Sark came in and said, no, you're playing tight end. Like 6'3", 230-ish here. Um, going really late in drafts, about 230 overall. Um, but I, I, I'm at at that point in a draft, I'm very much willing to to bet on the athleticism there. And I think, again, a guy that only has to do one or have one or two plays to really be on the tips of everybody's tongue going into next offseason. Yeah, and like we've talked about a bunch of times before, tight end is it's kind of a wasteland. So you know, it's it's hard to find a good marriage of a player who could produce and has some good NFL future as well, uh, potential as well. And I think Sanders could be at a good crossroads there. I mean, like we just talked about with um, Xavier worthy, you know, Texas's wide receiver room is, is not the, the most daunting room there, you know, so he could command a decent uh, amount of um, targets and a decent amount of touches there this year. And then like you said, with that athleticism, um, you know, he could have, he's kind of what the NFL is looking for in, uh, in tight ends now with, a, with an athletic guy like that. So obviously you want to see him bulk up a little bit more, um, you know, two thirties, a little light, but he is just getting onto campus. So I don't see any reason why he couldn't hit two forty. you know, then he's fine there at six, three, two forty. you know, maybe even two forty five. Um, so yeah, I, I like the Jatavian Sanders call a lot. And, and you know, he, I think he can be Evan Engram size and his defensive end background, I think makes him more physical than Evan Ingram. He, he plays physically from the little bit that I watched of his high school stuff. Um, I did not initially uh, rank him because I, it was seemed like a foregone conclusion that he'd be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, but going back and watching him, he's a physical guy. So I think he could get away with being six, three, two 30 because he's willing to throw himself around a little bit more. 
Uh, he, he's not allergic to contact like maybe some of these other um, tweener type tight end guys have been over the past few years. So I think that's encouraging uh, for him and his development. Yeah, right. agreed. So we're going to hop into maybe relevant and we do have a lot of names that may be relevant. Um, uh, it, it, there's a lot of question marks, I think, across uh, across this conference here. A bunch of quarterbacks. Uh, if you noticed, we did not mention a Texas quarterback there in the first blurb. And we <laughs> split them here on the list. Card slash Thompson are in the maybe relevance, really, depending on what goes on there. We've got uh, Tyler Shuck, favorite of the show. Brock Purdy at Iowa State. Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. Those are our four situations, five players overall. Um, aside from the Texas guys, Colin, um, if you had to pick one of Chuck Purdy or Sanders for a C2C squad, which are you looking to take? Wow. Give me, me a face there as I say. That. Yikes. Um, yeah, man, that's tough. Uh, pro- probably give me Sanders. He has that rushing ability there too. Um, and, you know, I don't know how – how much passing production Iowa State's offense is going to have. So it would be close for me between Purdy and Sanders. But, yeah, give me Sanders for the rushing upside. Um, but, you know, these aren't guys – these are guys that, like, you want a roster because they're probably going to be relevant. They have to be rostered. Relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I have to start them in a given week, like, I don't feel great about that. So – I'm going to pick Shuck as the guy of these three that I'd rather have. Because I am not banking on any NFL success from any of the three of them. Right, I agree. But that's why another reason I like Sanders is that ADP. Yeah, Uh, the ADP is not. Okay, so that's a really good point. If you're talking about at cost, then yeah, Sanders is probably the guy here considering his ADP is like double the other two guys. If we're ignoring that, I will take Shuck. Um, You know, QB 39 last year. I know it's a totally different offense. Um, but, but I think he can, he can produce and Oklahoma state's kind of in a weird spot this year. I don't really know what to think yeah. about them as we're going to, you know, they don't have an established running back right now, um, with, um, uh, what's his name? Chuba leaving Hubbard. Um, they, they, they have some, some guys there that could break out, but nobody that I, I, I haven't heard anybody comfortably project any of those three running backs there to take the job, which I, I so I'm avoiding basically that whole mess. Yep. Um, they usually have a big boundary guy that kind of can win, you know, a jump ball situations. They they've had that over the past decade. They don't right now. Their best wide receiver probably is going to be Brendan Presley, who is a tiny little slot guy. It, it's a very odd offense. I, I don't know what to think. Um, so Sanders, th- that makes me slightly hesitant on him just with all the turnover and everything going on there. Yeah. I mean, I definitely get that too. Um, you know, they don't really have those traditional go-to pieces on that offense. Like you mentioned that they normally do have, but I think they have enough talent there where, you know, somebody will separate themselves somewhere. Um, we could talk about it a little bit later, but there's a guy that you like a lot that's coming in that, you know, maybe a little play for another year, not this year, but, um, you know, they have a couple guys there. And then the running back room, like you said, I don't really feel comfortable projecting like any of those guys, but I do still think that they're all solid running backs. I think they're, they're all fine. You know, they'll get some production here and there. Desmond Jackson looked really good last year in that 
brief stint where Hubbard was out. Um, so I think they'll get some production from all of those pieces. It's just not going to be exactly what we're used to. Yeah. Who's the kid they brought over from Utah state uh, jail and something or I forget. Sure. He, he's the other guy that's going to contend for that. I, I have Desmond Jackson stashed a couple places. I, I picked him up at the end of last year and just, you know, if he's named the, the starting running back there, obviously, uh, gets is a nice boost in value there. Um, but I don't necessarily think you have to have them roster. Although, again, you know, call and strategy here, where if you have them all and then one of them wins the job, it's those are easy cuts for you. So, yep. um, yeah, as long as it doesn't cost a lot, which yeah. it doesn't for those guys. Yeah. So there you go. Follow and call, follow Colin's uh, strategy there. Uh, no, don't, don't. That, that's sarcasm. Do not follow my strategy in this instance. I would not roster all of those guys because I don't know how relevant they're going to be. With Mississippi State, the quarterback thing, that I, I, whoever that quarterback is is going to explode in a Mike Leach system. Yeah, I don't feel the same way as an Oklahoma State running back. Although Oklahoma State running backs do traditionally score very well, I don't feel great about them. Well, Gundy, got, Gundy got rid of the mullet. So Gundy got rid of the mullet. Gundy oh. got rid of the mullet. Yeah. So um, I, I expect a, an uptick in production from everybody because they they struggled <laughs> a little bit more with him as the mullet because um, it was stupid. Um, <laughs> two running backs that are that are maybe relevant here. Uh, I re- I like the first one a lot, but he just falls just short of like the need to have on a roster for me. That's Letty Brown at West Virginia. Um, really going to be a strong CFF guy this year. RB 21 last year on a per game basis, 20.3 points per game. Uh, his ADP is right around 170 overall. Um, last year put up a little over a thousand yards, over five yards of carry nine touchdowns, and he can do work in the receiving game as well. 31 catches, 202 yards, two touchdowns. So uh, very much a viable asset here for college purposes. And we'll see if he can become anything for the NFL, but he certainly won't be a day one pick. And I'm skeptical on day two. Maybe could sneak into that late third range. The other is Sir Roderick Thompson, who I don't believe is practicing right now. I think he's still coming up an injury that he's rehabbing a little bit. Um, Last year, he was RB 92 on a per game basis. It was a down year for him. His ADP is right around 182 overall. Uh, 610 yards last year, 5.6 yards per carry, uh, and then 21 catches for him, uh, but only 124 yards on those catches and no touchdowns. Um, they, they, I'll check it down to him, but he's not not making people look foolish in the open field there. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even know what to ask here. Do you do you like any of those guys? <laughs> I mean, not not the sexiest no. names out there. Right? Um, yeah, definitely not the sexiest names there. Like you said, Letty Brown's going to get you some really nice production on the college side. Uh, at you know, and at, at an ADP of one seventy, you know, I think that the high end high college production that he's going to get makes that you know palatable there at that range. Even if he is more likely to be a day three running back, um, I don't feel great about him. You know, NFL prospects ever being like fantasy relevant on your dynasty squad, but. He has a decent shot at it, at least compared to some of the other other guys that go in that range or even later. So um, definitely not a sexy pick. Definitely not a pick that makes me feel warm and fuzzy, but uh, it's a safe pick there. Uh, and then Sir Roderick Thompson's a guy that I've been up and down on a little bit. You know, like I, I think I like the idea of Sir Roderick Thompson more than I like Sir Roderick Thompson. Um, you know, he catches a lot of passes. 
Um, you know, and I like the, I think I like the Texas tech system, um, you know, because they brought Matt Wells over from Utah state. Matt Wells made Darwin Thompson relevant, but you know, he just hasn't, he didn't really do a whole lot last year. Um, you know, and he's come, he's banged up, up, up a little bit this year. So he's kind of fallen for me. Yeah. He, he's a guy that's really dropped for me this off season. I just, and you only get him for one more year. So right. it's not like a guy that you you're going to get multiple years out of like a Lou Nichols that we talked about earlier or something like that. Um, all right. So wide receiver. I think we have some like wide receiver rooms here and it's yeah. just really unclear about who you want, which is why they all fall into this category and none of them really sneak into the one above this. So Baylor only has one guy, but I like him a lot. And then Colin and I, you and I were talking a little bit before the show and we said that Tyquan Thornton, might be the biggest post-hype sleeper in all of college football this year. Not necessarily from a Debbie perspective, getting himself to the NFL, but Baylor wide receivers have real their wide receiver one has has really produced over the past several years. And once Mims left, it looked like it was Thornton's job. And then he was really banged up last year. And that whole offense kind of fell to crap. So that he really didn't do much last year. So I, I, he's one of those guys that just everyone's like, well, he burned me last year. I don't want him anymore. His ADP is 394 overall. He's basically free. I've been scooping him up late in a lot of drafts this offseason because if that Baylor offense gets back to its Baylor ways, I think Thornton could be a startable option in most leagues this year. Yeah, and they bring in um, you know, the OC from Baylor or, or from uh, BYU, um, Grimes. Um, you know, who was with Zach uh, Wilson last year and uh, made Gunnar Romney relevant or one of the one of the Romneys. I think it was Gunnar. Uh, no, it was Dax Milne. Dax Milne. That's right. Yeah. They're, Dax Milne. They are, they're all very similar. Yeah. Um, made Dax Milne relevant there. You know, he put Dax Milne put up some nice numbers. So, you know, the wide receiver one in the Jeff Grimes system is a guy who should put up some decent numbers. Uh, the big question there is going to be quarterback play. Uh, they lose Charlie Brewer. He transfers to Utah. Um, you know, and now they just kind of have a mishmash of guys that had a little bit of hype. And now I don't even know what to do with them, and especially in terms of a passer. I mean, Jerry Bohannon does not really inspire much confidence as a passer. Jacob Zeno had some potential, but, you know, he's got a big arm, but it leaves a lot to be desired there. Same with Ky- um, Kyron Drones. So I don't really know who's going to start that at quarterback there, but I don't love that option. So that's my big hang up with Thornton. Yeah, you're just basically hoping that he gets a lot of targets. Yeah, because I I don't think they're going to be good targets. Yeah, for the most part. Um, so but at 394 and, overall, you know that's well worth it. Definitely, and we'll talk a little bit about drones here in a few minutes as a guy that that is possibly a nice stash for you. Um, Three Texas wide receivers. <laughs> this is what I'm saying about these rooms. We don't really know. I, I feel I feel good about saying that I think if Worthy flashes a little bit, he gets a ton of value. So I, I that's why I put him up above. I feel less certain about some of these other guys. Joshua Moore, who is their leading receiver last year, uh, 12.9 points per game, wide receiver 75. He goes in the 260s overall in our ADP. And then you have Troy O'Meer, uh, Felix Sharp special, big, big guy. You know, he, he is that big athletic physical freak. Uh, missed last year with a knee injury. He is figuring to factor in on the outside. And then you have Jordan Whittington, who won the Battle of Wills with Jacob Smith. 
as the kind of <laughs> slot hybrid wide receiver running back kind of guy. Uh, Sark really likes him. He made a nice impression in the spring. Um, so he might see a lot of targets this year. I'm not sure about the NFL upside there, if he can stay healthy. Um, do you have any predictions for how that that whole wide receiver room shakes out this year? I mean, I think um, O'Meary is the, the safest option because he's the guy who's the most different. You know, like O'Meary is the X. That is pretty clearly defined as his role. So I feel the best about him, to be honest with you. And I like his talent a lot, too. You know, heading into last year, his true freshman year in fall camp, he was looking really good. He was turning a lot of heads and then he tore his ACL and you know missed the whole year. So it was unfortunate. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I had mentioned like very, very early in the offseason. And Felix has been driving the bandwagon for him uh, all offseason, so, um, you know, wrote that fantastic article on Burn Orange Nation about him, too. So, you know, he's kind of been keeping that ADP up, driving the hype there. So um, I like O'Meary. The range that you get him in is still fine, but he is more expensive than the other guys on the list. Um, so that is one thing I don't love about O'Meary. But like I said, he's he has a defined role, whereas Whittington, you know, he beat out Jake Smith, you know, for the kind of a slot hybrid kind of a role. So that's probably his. Joshua Moore pretty small he's pretty skinny i think he's like 165 or 170 he's tiny yeah um, he, he needs to eat a donut yeah i mean he's like what like six foot but you know very light yeah. um and then xavier worthy making a lot of buzz too like we talked about before so it's a decent room but it's nobody that i feel great about yeah um i i don't feel that great about more either i feel like he was kind of a um best of the rest type situation there at Texas last year where really they, they never solidified that wide receiver room. I have a lot of Whittington um, yeah. just based on the spring reports. I think his ADP was as Colin likes to say palatable. And so <laughs> at, at 172 overall, I, I'm willing to spend that for a guy that, that Sark was really excited about here earlier in the off season, two guys at Iowa state, Tariq Milton and Xavier Hutchinson. Hutchinson kind of broke out last year with Milton ding, uh, dinged up for most of the year. Uh, in uh, 12 games, Hutchinson had 64 catches for 771 yards and four touchdowns. Bit of a taller guy. Milton uh, was the more known quantity going into last year, um, but but again, dinged up. The year before that, though, he averaged over 20 yards per reception on decent volume, 35 catches. Um, so I, I figure probably those two... I'm not sure either of them will be fantasy relevant unless one of them really takes the reins, though, and kind of absorbs the role of the other almost. Yeah, I don't know how college fantasy relevant either of those guys are going to be. Because like I was talking about with Brock Purdy, it's not really a prolific passing offense. They they run more through Brees Hall. So I don't know how much volume those guys are going to see. Now, I do like Xavier Hutchinson as a guy who could make some noise, you know, in the NFL, I, th I think he has a skill set there. You know, he came from Juco um, and, you know, his first year at the power five level, he had a really nice year. It was 64 catches, 771 yards and four touchdowns through 12 games. Um, you know, he, he looked really good. So, and, you know, and he's very, he's very technically refined as well. Um, he's a very good route runner, and he has a good NFL size. So I think he's more of an NFL prospect for me, but he is a guy that I have in a couple of places. Um, 
I don't really have much Tariq Milton. Um, so you said he was kind of banged up last year. Um, you know, and that efficiency from, from 2019 and 20.6 yards per catch was always going to be unrepeatable. I'm not a Hutchinson guy. I just don't really believe in it. Um, I, I think there's a, I don't think he's dynamic enough at his size, uh, to warrant any sort of consideration. And again, they just, they're run heavy. I mean, it's a Brees Hall first offense and then, a cooler is going to get just as many looks as either of those guys. And that just in, in an offense that isn't throwing it 40 times a game, I don't really see upside for any of the wide receivers there. Um, so they are all big. They are both big avoids uh, for me moving into this year. Eric Ezukanma, who's at Texas tech is an intriguing guy last year, 13.3 uh, fantasy points per game. His ADP is super low with us. It's down in the three hundreds for the most part. Um, he, I, I was fading him pretty hard early in the offseason because he got that, what is it, wrist or elbow or whatever injury in the spring, and they were saying that it, it was not looking great, but he's back. He's back at practice, and they're saying that he should be a full go for week one. He is the wide receiver there, and there's really not a lot alongside him, so um, I, I, his fading was probably premature. Yeah, I think that, I mean, anytime they suffer an injury like that in the offseason, I think it's fair to fade him. Um, but yeah, you know, now that it sounds like he's back, um, he's definitely the guy to to want to own there. Sorry, Loic Fuanji. That's for you, PJ. Um so uh so he he's really the only guy you want in that offense. I think they're gonna funnel a lot of it through him. So I think he's going to better that um production from last year. And you know, we Shuck is our show punching bag here, but he's not terrible. He can, I think he'll be able to support Azukanma as a fantasy option, uh, but I don't really see a lot of NFL future for Azukanma. So that's a little bit of my hang up there, but at that ADP, you don't really need it. Yeah, he, he should have a, a big fantasy year, and that's, you know, good enough at that point in a draft. Um, Brennan Presley, we talked, you know, we, we touched on his name earlier. Um, Tylen Wallace last year was wide receiver 41. I don't know that it's comparable because they're such different, you know, uh, Oklahoma state during Mike Gundy's time, there has never featured the slot or very, very rarely featured the slot. So this is uncharted territory for us, which is why I'm slightly lower than Presley than like, I know Felix likes him a lot because it's not a like for like substitution. And that makes me a bit, nervous yeah i i definitely get that too because like you said that they, they all oklahoma state is, is kind of like clemson in that they have a type at wide receiver they have a a, a type that they like you know they went after james, guys like james washington you know tylen wallace is similar in that type too where they win vertically and i don't know if Presley is going to be able to do that. So I, I mean, he's the guy that right now everybody thinks is going to probably lead the team in rec in receiving, but I'm also kind of lower on Presley too. I, I just, I, like you said, I don't trust Gundy to feature the slot. I think it's more likely that somebody else comes out of nowhere and is the wide receiver one there. Um, and maybe the guy that we touch on in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oklahoma. A lot of guys there. You know, Mims starts. I think there is zero question about that. 
Um, Mario Williams is getting hype. I don't think he starts this year. I think he might, he'll rotate in. I don't, he, I definitely do not think he starts unless there's some injuries, but then you've got three other guys there that, that are going to make our lives difficult. (laughs) Jaden Hasselwood and Theo Weiss, who kind of came in together and they are the, they are the Joe Ngata and Frank Ladson of, of the big 12 of Oklahoma. Because uh, they were super highly rated guys that have really not lived up to the building. Ha- Hazelwood's obviously been hurt, missed um, basically all of last season with a knee injury. And then Weiss, who uh, was very disappointing in, in his role last year. So those guys both figure to have a say in what's going on. But I don't necessarily feel great about any of them. And then the other guy there that I, that is probably underrated is Mike Woods. The transfer from Arkansas. He... Uh, switched allegiances there after Arkansas's uh, spring game speedy guy he's he adds some speed on the boundary to a team that that needs it since Mims is more of a slot guy at this point in his career um do you, I would actually think I would prefer Woods than uh, over Hasselwood and Weiss I I don't know what are you thinking about that yeah I, I mean I think that I would agree with you, especially because Woods goes a good bit later than either of those other two guys. Now, I mean, um, Woods has his ADP's definitely risen, but he goes later. And like you said, it's like that Clemson group where I just don't know who's going to emerge out of that group. So I'll usually take the cheapest in that situation. Um, and Mike Woods, he flipped from Arkansas pretty late. So it kind of makes you think that, you know, Riley has a plan for him like I don't think Woods would have flipped from what looked like a starter role at Arkansas in the SEC now I mean it is Arkansas but it's still the SEC flipped that late in the process to Oklahoma where that's a much more crowded room if he didn't have some not assurances but some support from Riley so yeah I think Mike Woods is is the guy that is likely to start on the outside there. It, it's actually really interesting to me. I don't know how it became this way. I guess because Hasselwood didn't necessarily get to disappoint us based on performance last year, but he goes basically two round, two full rounds ahead of Weiss. Uh, they're ADPs of 86 and 105, respectively. Um, that's just very, that, that is that is interesting to me. And we'll see if, like, I think I would just rather have Weiss because he's two rounds cheaper. If, if you made me pick, I don't really want either of them at that cost. Um, right. But but that that is definitely a situation to watch. Wouldn't shock me if those those ADPs, well, we don't take ADP during the season, but those values right. uh, will kind of, you know, shift uh, all around as the year goes on. Um, so those are all of the maybe relevant wide receivers here. couple of tight ends. Um, that could be intriguing. Austin Stogner, who is also at Oklahoma there. The big question for him is always going to be, does he get the volume uh, to kind of be relevant enough to to make him worth a roster spot? And is he a good enough Debbie asset uh, to keep him on a roster? I think those those are some big questions there. I don't have the answer to them. Uh, and I, I, I don't even really feel comfortable hazarding a guess one way or the other um personally do you have any strong feelings on stogner he just seems like one of like that that tight end like riffraff after like like you you know you hit like round 200 and you're you're like okay like i should probably start poking around and seeing what tight ends are available and stogner does appear near the top of that group for me but 
I don't like, I'm not giddy to take. No, I, I, like we were just talking about with the Oklahoma wide receivers, you know, then you throw Stogner into the mix there. I don't really feel that great about anybody um, in that room, really, besides Mims. I, I'm not, I don't love Mario Williams the way that some other people do. Um, I like him. I do. And I, I, but I just, I don't love him. So I don't love anybody else in that room. I mean, from a tight end perspective, yeah, I mean, he's the Oklahoma's tight end. So he'll probably get drafted, you know, because I think he's, he's fine. He's solid. So he'll get, he'll, he'll be on an NFL roster, which is more than you can say for a lot of tight ends. Um, I don't know how much college production you're going to get for him. But yeah, I mean, he's just kind of in that meh range of tight ends for me he's he's almost like that h back type position too and i think oklahoma actually has him listed as a tight end slash h back he's he's six six um so he's got decent size but but this year will be a, a big year for him in, in deciding whether he's a real nfl prospect or just kind of a guy that you know gets there um the other guy this is an interesting one you put him on the list is deandre rogers who's at tcu um, the artist formerly known as DJ Rogers, who was a freshman at Cal last year and transferred out um, in the preseason, was never even in fan tracks last year, um, is now available as DeAndre Rogers at TCU. Um, so if you're wondering what the hell happened to DJ Rogers, now you, I, I'm hoping that you can all sleep at night now with this information. Yeah, I mean, he's he was the tight end eight in the class last year. Um, you know, so he has... Uh, you know, a good pedigree there. Now, I mean, the whole weird situation where he just didn't come out to Cal and he like reclassified the other direction into 2021. You know, most people reclassify into the class ahead of him. He kind of fell into the one behind him, which is a little odd. But I mean, he's athletic. Um, you know, he's he's a good route runner for a tight end. He catches the ball really well. Um, you know, I think he's got a lot of potential there. I mean, 24 seven comped him to Evan Ingram back when he was coming out. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's that type of a, a pass catching option in an offense that doesn't have a whole lot outside of Quentin Johnson. Now, I don't know how much more room there is besides Quentin Johnson, Johnston. I, you know, I don't even know how necessarily college fantasy relevant Johnston will be, but, um, you know, at the tight end position, you know, I'm, I'm all about taking some dart throws. And, you know, he was listed on Chris Hummer's um, 100 true freshman who will impact the 2021 season. He was listed there for TCU. So, you know, he's getting some buzz. Um, so I think he's a guy that could have a role this year. Yeah, that offense. I mean, if they would just let them take the training wheels off and, and go at it. I mean, I don't I don't think super highly of Max Dugan, who is a guy that I really debated putting on here and, and ended up not doing it, but, <laughs> but I, he's, I would, if he can somehow take a jump this year, that whole offense is really talented. And actually they'll bring back, like I'm saying Dugan makes the jump. He will never make the jump to be able to leave after next year. He will be there in 2022 as well. That offense could be a lot of is with Evans there, with Johnston there, with Rogers there, with DJ Allen, true freshman who's coming in next year in the 2022 class. He's a really good player, um, very underrated by the recruiting services. Um, uh, Matt Bruning and I both are, are very high on him, so that could be a really fun offense if they would just allow it to be. You need him to take a chill pill, just relax. Let those guys <laughs> do their thing. 
Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, holding my breath that 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 could happen. Um, there are some fun stashes in this conference. A lot of guys that I find myself scooping up just to fill out, you know, especially the quarterback room, uh, late in C2C drafts here. We already talked about Caleb Williams, and the chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who Caleb Williams is, the number one yeah. quarterback in this year's class. Um, just a very athletic kid, probably the next guy up there at Oklahoma. A uh, couple of guys behind that, though. Baron Morton, true freshman quarterback um, at Texas Tech. Kyron Drones, the true freshman at Baylor that we mentioned earlier. And then Hunter Deckers, who sounds like he could be the next guy up at Iowa State following Brock Purdy's departure. Um, Colin, you you talked about Drones. I think you did a freshman profile on him months ago. Um, yeah, that was one of the early, early ones. Yeah. Is that is he your favorite of that? That's QB stash trio? Um, no, Morton's probably my favorite because I think Morton's a little safer. But Kyron Drones has a really high ceiling. Um, he is very athletic. He's got a big arm. He has all the tools you're looking for. Uh, he throws very, very well outside of structure. He just needs a lot of work inside of structure. His footwork needs some work. Um, so, you know, I, I still really like him, and I like them bringing in Jeff Grimes, a guy who has helped to develop a guy like Zach Wilson. So I do like drones, but I, I, out of that trio, I like Morton a little bit more just because he's a little bit safer. Now, the ADP does reflect that because Morton goes a good bit earlier than drones. Um, drones sometimes goes pretty late. So drones is a guy that I do like to stash. Yeah, I think they're both both worthwhile stashes there. <laughs> Neither have we both just both ignored Deckers. Um, solid Sorry, player. Felix. <laughs> um, yeah, Felix likes him a lot. Um, I don't really have strong thoughts either way on Hunter Deckers, but I certainly don't advocate rostering him at least at this point in the year. Like th he's one of those guys where maybe as the season starts coming to a close, you stash if you've got uh, a roster spot somewhere and hopes right. that he takes that job. Um, there is one other quarterback that I put here on the list that doesn't quite belong in those um the, that that category necessarily i don't i don't think he's rosterable right now unless no. you're it's a very deep league i think i have him one spot where it, it's super super deep and that's jake rubley who's at kansas state uh mr justin bieber himself if you have not seen that that <laughs> clip of him of him singing um he was a pretty highly rated recruit in, in this year's class going there um and could see could see some time down the line um, and that's really all I have to say about him. But I, I really, you do not have to roster him. I don't, no. I don't want to hear stories of people taking him in like the 20th round. That would be a waste of a draft pick. Yeah. And, and that's something with, with a lot of these stashes is like, you know, I, I mean, the guys we just talked about a little bit earlier, you know, Morton, obviously Williams, um, you know, those guys, and even drones, those are guys that you want to stash at some point there. But a lot of the other guys, you kind of need, you, you can wait on, on some of these stashes. But, um, you know, because they're stashes. They're going to, they're guys who are going to produce later, you know. So you'll probably have buying opportunities throughout the year if you really want them and you miss out on them. But yeah, Rubley, um, decent quarterback prospect in this class. Um, you know, they, Kansas State had a couple guys last year that kind of, you know, Will Howard and, um, I can't remember the other guy 
um, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, Skylar Thompson. Um, yeah, Howard and Thompson are there. They're fine. So I think Rubley's kind of going to be in that group as well, where he'll be fine. He's just not a guy who makes me all warm and fuzzy. Which is the most important thing in campus to can. Yes. The guy makes you feel all warm and fuzzy. fuzzy. Yes. Yes. Um, not a lot of running backs that I necessarily want to stash because I think a lot of the situations, like I, I don't feel great about projecting who comes after Brees Hall. Bijan has another year there. Um, obviously, Gray will be gone, but they they bring in um, like Trey Bradford, who transfers from LSU, and then supposedly Gavin Sawchuk and Rayleigh Brown next year. So that's that's very murky there. Um, but it, but I, I feel comfortable stashing Trey Bradford in places if you can get him for cheap enough. Um, the only other running back here that we really put was was Jordan Jenkins at Baylor, uh, who was a I don't remember if he was officially a four star. He might have been a three a high a high three star. Um, but uh, people like him. He's a pretty nice athlete for for a bigger back, so could be one to monitor there. And then Quaylen Jones is always just hanging out at Baylor, but uh, like it didn't happen yet. He, he's been he's he's the ultimate post type sleeper because he's been hyped <laughs> twice and has done nothing. Um, and then Jalen Anderson we put on the list, but he's not at West Virginia yet. He's not enrolling. It's like a mystery as to what's going on there. Um, so. I wouldn't want to roster any Jalen Anderson, even if Letty Brown's leaving, because that situation is just very murky. And he's not he's not good enough like a Destin Hill to warrant stashing for a, a full year or whatever with no football. No, I agree. And I mean, twenty he was the RB twenty one in his class. Twenty four seven comps him to Gus Edwards. So Gus you know, who's who's fine, but you know, if you're comp to Gus Edwards, it's like where's your ceiling? Um, plus he's not, like you said, he's not even on campus yet. So, you know, West Virginia is reportedly optimistic about his status, but you know, what else are they going to say? So yeah, he's a, he's a guy worth monitoring, but he's not somebody that I actually have anywhere. Yeah. And then three wide receivers, I think that are worth monitoring and maybe some other ones too, but these are the three that we're going to pick out here. Uh, Caden Prather, who's at WVU, who is a popular pick amongst, uh, C2C drafters, I just don't know how much upside there is in a West Virginia offense there, and that's why I have not been drafting Caden Prather at all. Jaden Bray, uh, one of hashtag my guys here this offseason, made some some noise at Oklahoma State's uh, spring game, and he is the prototype of guy they usually like. Now, whether he can can get enough steam this year to still be relevant when Talon Shetron comes in there next year is anybody's guess. And then Jaron Bradley, uh ginormous texas tech wide receiver which is just like and like they they always have a giant guy there yeah um, <laughs> he is 220 i believe is is his his size so yeah something like that so so some guys to monitor there but again i don't think you necessarily have to roster any of those guys except i prather is is pretty widely rostered but um, yeah the other the other two i don't think are yeah, I mean, I think Bray is worth a shot for sure. Um, you know, just because we said Brendan Presley doesn't really fit the the wide receiver at Oklahoma State mold. So I think he has just as good of a shot to emerge out of nowhere as anybody. And then Jaron Bradley's been making some noise in camp already so far. So, you know, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on him. Um, he, he could step into Eric Ezekonma's role once he leaves, but... 
he's not necessarily a guy that you need to draft. It's more just a watch list guy. Yeah, exactly. I think that goes for a lot of these guys. At a lot of the the, the names we just listed were, were probably watch list guys. Um, so if you had to give me one guy out of everybody we just talked about to avoid at their current ADP, do you have a name for me? Um, I mean, the obvious ones are like Weiss and Hazelwood. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to steer, steer away from that one. Um, I also don't end up with Eric gray, like at all. Um, I think he's good for a college running back. I think he's gonna have a really nice year this year. I think he just gets overdrafted, like just in that 18 to 20 range. There's just other guys and 18 to 20 even feels a little late. I feel like he goes like very early second round sometimes. Um, so he's just a guy that I don't end up with a lot of in that space. If he was going maybe like five to 10 picks later, I might have him. There's some interesting names to pick from here. I think that was certainly a good one. Um, how about Charlie Kohler? I don't have any Charlie Kohler. His ADP seems slightly egregious to me when it's like 70 picks higher than Sanders. Like we we have seen what Charlie Kohler is, and he's not a bad player. He's going to play in the NFL, um, and he'll he'll be on a roster for for several years there. I feel decent saying that. I there's just like he's not that big of a yards after catch threat. And I think really, you know, that's not like the the most important thing for a tight end. I mean, but like he's a guy, the guy that's going to catch the ball and fall over and wherever he fell down is where the ball like So that's not that valuable to me. I'd rather swing for the fences with a late guy like a Brock Bowers from Georgia or a Jatavian Sanders or, you know, Michael Trigg is getting a lot of hype at USC. That's a, that's a more athletic guy. Even DeAndre Rogers is more athletic than him. I'd rather take a swing on the athleticism later than just take like the known of mediocre Charlie Kohler. Yeah, I agree. And and that's also a range where I just don't take tight ends. Like I just kind of punt tight end till late. Um, and I'll take guys who will produce in college and then maybe a guy or two like a trig, um, like a Bowers or whatever late that may have some potential for, for the NFL at, at some point. But um, yeah, Carly, Charlie Kohler's just kind of meh. I mean, he'll put up decent numbers this year for tight ends. He'll be on a roster, but how comfortable are you really ever starting him? Like if I have to start him again, no warm and fuzzies. So just some tight ends. Uh, I mean, he's sandwiched or he's right around Greg Dulcich goes at 155 in July. Cole Turner also 155, Charlie Kohler, 162, Thomas Fedone, 173. I'd rather have all three of those other guys over Kohler because there's more upside there. And then there's a bunch of guys later that I would rather have. You know, Isaiah Likely is uh, 228 overall ADP. Uh, Jatavian Sanders is in that range as well. Trey McBride goes around 232. Elijah Arroyo, uh, 233. Um, uh, Jake Brinningstool goes after that. Brant Quaith. Uh, there, there's just a lot of athletic upside michael trigg 374 those are all guys that i would just much rather have uh than cooler so um yeah at cost for sure yeah yeah even if you flipped like even if you said their adp is equal to his i think i would rather have them Mm, maybe there there are a lot of unknowns there in that group i mean outside of quaith and a couple of those other guys like that like likely but um 
you know, uh, there's a lot of unknown there. So like if you're, if all things equal, if you're, if you're ADP, if you're saying Charlie Kohler's ADP is like in the three hundreds, I would take him there. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't see any upside. I, I, I don't know. He's, he's a boring pick like him and Jake Ferguson are just the ultimate, like most boring picks ever in a draft. That's probably why I don't have any of them. Um, I go for the sexy. So, um, all right, well, that's going to do it for our show here tonight, guys. We uh, we tried to keep it a little more <laughs> a little more compact for you here. Um, can't promise that when we get to some of these other conferences coming up here, Big Ten, SEC, um, and Pac-12, all, all have some good players on them. Um, be on the lookout for everything we've got going on at campus2canton.com here. The articles continue to roll. Uh, we've got all the podcasts uh, beyond the C2C pod here. We've got the Fantasy Football Roundtable, the Debbie Debate, and uh, the Why Wait Till Sunday, which is uh, going to be back to its its roots, its DFS content starting next week. Um, beyond that, uh, enjoy your weekend, guys. I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.